Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. Every time I read that story of Nathanael and Jesus at the beginning of the Gospel of John, it raises questions for me. One obvious question is, of course, who is Nathanael? He seems to have this really significant encounter with Jesus right at the beginning of the Gospel, and yet he's not mentioned again until the very end, when he shows up for the final resurrection appearance. In that story, we get no more information about him except for an intriguing tidbit that he apparently came from Cana, a town near Jesus' hometown of Nazareth, and the famous location of the wedding where Jesus turned the water into wine. Even more puzzling, he's not mentioned in the other Gospels at all. There are two intriguing theories out there about his identity. Some have proposed that, because he is hardly mentioned again by name, that he could be the mysterious disciple who was referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved, which would make him, of course, the supposed author of the whole gospel. The other theory is based on a comparison with the other three Gospels. The only disciple who is mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, who is not mentioned in John, is Bartholomew. So, some have suggested that Nathaniel and Bartholomew might just be two different names for the same person. I'm not sure I buy either of those theories. I think the challenge of this character is that we just have to take him and judge him based on this one short story. And I actually think that this story is meant to tell us a great deal about him. But another question is even more important, I think. That question is, what on earth was Nathaniel doing under that fig tree? Because, of course, the whole story pivots around the idea that because Jesus saw Nathanael underneath the fig tree, he was able to understand all kinds of important things about Nathanael's character. And before you say that that is because Jesus was such an extraordinary person that he could see things through observation that no one else would notice, let me remind you that Jesus disagrees with you about that. 
No, Jesus insists that there's nothing extraordinary in what he had been able to see, though he does promise much more extraordinary things to come. So, I would like to explore that question. What was Nathaniel doing underneath that tree? And why does it reveal so much about him? And, as you know, the way I like to explore biblical stories is narratively. This is Retelling the Bible. Episode 6.3 What was Nathaniel doing under the fig tree? Down through the centuries, artists have painted a rather idyllic picture of Jesus' childhood. As the son of a carpenter, he is often depicted as growing up in a nice, clean wood shop amid wood shavings and sawdust, living in the home of a prosperous craftsman. The reality was actually quite different. Joseph, you see, wasn't a prosperous, independent carpenter with a nice shop. He was, to use the Greek term that is found in the Gospels, a tecton. A tecton was not a skilled carpenter, but something more like an unskilled laborer who worked with wood or stone on construction sites. Joseph didn't own a nice little carpenter shop. At most, he owned a few basic tools, and he had to go wherever the work was if he wanted to earn anything. And during most of Jesus' childhood, the work was mostly found in Sephoris, the city that Herod Antipas was building actually only about an hour's walk from Nazareth. That was where Joseph spent his days. At least, those days when he was lucky enough to get hired. And, as soon as Jesus was old enough, he went along to get hired whenever he could, too. There were a lot of laborers who did this kind of thing, and many of them found places to live in the nearby villages. So, Jesus did get to know a number of young men from nearby towns like Gath Hefer and Cana. And there can be a lot of time to talk while men are working side by side, breaking stones or piling them up or trimming pieces of wood. Oh, there were lots of jibes and insults shared in a good-natured way. The men of Cana, for example, liked to tease the ones from Nazareth by saying, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Oh, how they laughed about that one. Apparently it was a bit of a proverb in their town. 
The workers also shared the news from their own hometowns. That was how Jesus first heard of a certain troublemaker in the town of Cana. His name was Nathaniel, and he was kind of famous for sitting under his fig tree. In the musical, Fiddler on the Roof, Tevye, a poor Jewish man, dreams about being rich. He sings, of course, about all the things that he would buy with his money. But when he talks about what he would do with all the time that he would have as a rich man, there is something very Jewish about his dream. And I discuss the holy books with the land of the men seven hours every day. And that would be the sweetest thing of all. Oy. If I were a rich man, since ancient times, Jews have been famous for their love of discussing the Torah, their holy book. But it's not just discussion, mind you. Oh, they have a reputation for getting into heated arguments and disagreements. As the old proverb goes, whenever you have two Jews, you have three opinions. But this love for argument and disagreement about scripture is for them, a mark of their deep love of the Torah. As Tevye sings in the song, it is considered to be a great privilege if you are prosperous enough to have the free time to engage in this activity. And apparently, at some point in the Middle Ages, it was common for Jews in some places to refer to this beloved activity of arguing about the scriptures as sitting under the fig tree. This has led some scholars to suggest that perhaps when Jesus says that he saw Nathanael underneath a fig tree, that what he actually means is that he had seen Nathanael discussing the Torah. That is, of course, a very intriguing suggestion. It certainly would make a little bit more sense of this passage because it seems possible that Jesus would have been able to perceive more about Nathaniel's character by watching him engage in such a discussion than just by seeing him sitting under a tree. But there are a few problems with this suggestion. First of all, the Gospel of John was written a very long time before the Middle Ages, and it would be quite extraordinary for the meaning of an obscure phrase like sitting under a fig tree to remain the same for that many centuries. But even more important than that, it seems rather unlikely that Jews in the time of Jesus would have been able to discuss the scriptures 
in the ways that they would in later centuries. As far as we can tell, literacy was very low in the early first century Galilee. Even more important, copies of the scripture books, which would have been handwritten on parchment scrolls, were extremely rare and expensive. So, it does seem extremely unlikely that Jews, in the time of Jesus, would have been able to sit around with the scrolls of the Torah unrolled on their laps and argue over what various passages meant. The chances that Jesus saw Nathanael doing that particular activity are very slim. Jesus heard his fellow workers from Cana talk incessantly about this Nathanael and all the trouble that he was causing by sitting under the fig tree. As time went by, he became more and more interested in him and resolved that, when the opportunity presented itself, he would absolutely have to pay a visit to Cana. As it turned out, Cana was only about as far the other side of Sephorus as Nazareth was on this side. So, one day, when Jesus had made the trip into the city to look for some work, and nobody was hiring that day, something that unfortunately happened too often, he decided to keep on going until he made his way to Cana. When he came into the town, the first person he met knew exactly who he was talking about when he inquired after a certain Nathaniel. He was directed towards a small farmstead about a league distant. Jesus set off in that direction. He soon came to the place. There was a small house attached to a middling-sized field. The field seemed to be planted with some grain that was just coming up. There was a vine planted over on one side that was just coming into flower. And over there, closer to the road, was a fig tree. It was the kind of simple holding that Jesus had been taught that once every family in Israel had had. His father, Joseph, had spoken to him often about the piece of land that had once belonged to his family, off in Bethlehem of Judea. But they had lost it a long time ago and been reduced to living hand-to-mouth as carpenters and day laborers on construction sites. The fig tree on this piece of land was a very healthy tree with spreading branches It had lived for a very long time. There was a small knot of people sitting underneath it, and as he drew near, coming close enough to hear what was said without necessarily being noticed by anybody, it wasn't hard to figure out which one was Nathaniel. It also wasn't very hard to see why people spoke so often about what it was like to see Nathaniel under his fig tree. 
Okay, so it seems rather unlikely that at the time the Gospel of John was written, the phrase, sitting under a fig tree, meant the same thing that it would mean much later in the Middle Ages. Nathaniel was not likely discussing the Torah as Jews would do it generations later. But perhaps he was engaged in some activity that would later evolve into that. That phrase, sitting under a fig tree, is actually a very important Old Testament phrase. It is repeated a number of different times in slightly different words. For example, the prophet Micah puts it this way, but they shall all sit under their own vines and under their own fig trees, and no one shall make them afraid. It is a way of representing one of the key promises of the scriptures of the Old Testament. One of the central promises given to the people of Israel in the law and in the prophets is a promise of land. The idea of a promised land was not just a promise to the whole nation. It was a promise to each family. They were all to have enough land to subsist on. That is to say, enough land to produce the basic supplies and staples of their diet, including grain, olives, and, of course, wine and figs. And the prophetic promise that they would all be able to sit under their own vines and under their own fig trees was emblematic of that larger promise. So, in a way, this reference to where Nathaniel was sitting might be a callback to that key biblical promise, what I like to think of as the Israelite dream, the dream that every Israelite head of family could sit under his own vine and fig tree. The dream was that they would be able to have enough peace and security to sit down and rest for a little while underneath their own trees. I know that might not sound quite like a utopia to us. We would probably look for a bit more than just the basics, but I guess that just shows you how tough life could be back then if their big dream was just to be able to have their own vine and fig tree. You know how we sometimes talk about the American dream? Well, that was kind of the Israelite dream. And apparently, as a part of that, their big dream was to have a little bit of leisure time to be able to sit down underneath their own fig trees for a while. And that's why it later became an expression for discussing the Torah. When, in later ages, Jewish men became prosperous enough to have a little bit of leisure time, they, like Tevya, decided that the very best way to use that time was to spend it discussing the Torah. But that was all in the future. What might it have looked like in Jesus' day when literacy was rare and Torah scrolls even rarer? Well, I would suggest that before people had to argue over the written words of the Torah, 
they just struggled with living it. In Nathaniel's day, that most basic Israelite dream of every Israelite family having a fig tree and a vine to live under had become out of reach for huge numbers of people. People had lost their family farms and vines and fig trees. Huge numbers of the population were relegated to living as slaves or just getting by, working as day laborers. But maybe what Jesus had seen in Nathanael was that he was trying to keep that ancient Israelite dream alive. Because, from what we can tell, that ancient Israelite dream had become a little bit elusive by the early first century. More and more people had been alienated from their ancestral lands, and they were just managing to scrape by doing things like working as general laborers on construction sites, just like that young man who stood looking on as Nathaniel sat under his fig tree. So, what did Jesus see Nathanael doing underneath that fig tree? He was discussing the ancient law with his friends, but he was not really discussing it in the very literate way that later generations would. He was discussing it in a way that was much more appropriate to his much more oral society. Just because they couldn't read it, didn't mean that the Jews of that era did not carry around an understanding of the law with them. They remembered and told the stories of the great heroes of their faith, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like Moses, David, and Elijah. And they certainly did hold on to very particular promises that they believed that their God had given them. Promises like that every family would be able to have their own vine and their own fig tree to sit under. But Nathaniel's family had just managed to maintain their property. And so he sat there underneath his fig tree and dared to proclaim without any guile or any equivocation that every Israelite should be able to do the same as him. Now, Given that in Galilee, Roman policy as enforced by Herod Antipas was largely to blame for the fact that so many families had become dispossessed. This was not a particularly smart thing to be publicly proclaiming. But clearly, Nathaniel didn't care. And as Jesus looked on, he could not help but admire the man for his courage and integrity. Jesus did not attempt to speak to Nathaniel that day. He simply went on his way back to Nazareth. But a few years later, when he saw his new friend, and disciple Philip approaching him 
and bringing someone with him, he immediately recognized Nathaniel. And I'm very sure that Philip, who came from Bethsaida, which was a long way from Nazareth, was quite puzzled by the conversation that followed. Truth be told, he had already been completely baffled by Nathaniel's initial response to the invitation to come. Can anything good come from Nazareth? he had asked. And then he had laughed, as if he'd made the funniest joke in all the world. But then, Nathaniel's mood had suddenly changed, as the old hometown expression reminded him of what he had lost. For indeed, the evil times had finally caught up to his own family in the last year, and they had lost their land to their debts. He shed a tear as he thought of the beloved family fig tree under which he had spent so many pleasant hours. And now, having introduced Nathaniel to Jesus, Philip was bewildered as he watched the two men speak about matters that only seemed to make sense to the two of them. Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, Jesus proclaimed. To which Nathanael replied, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. For some reason that made Nathanael break down in tears. Rabbi, he wept. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. We really have no way of knowing today what the author of the Gospel of John understood by Jesus' cryptic saying about the fig tree. But I think it is a fair bet that it had had something to do with the ancient promises about Israelite men sitting under fig trees. I would just note one other oddity that I didn't quite find a way to work into the narrative. In this passage, Jesus refers to Nathanael as an Israelite. This is a word that is found only one other place in the entire New Testament. By the first century, the term Israelite was hopelessly archaic. The inhabitants of Judea and Galilee were simply referred to as Judeans and Galileans. But speaking of Nathaniel using an archaic term, a term that had gone out of currency makes a lot of sense if you're seeking to evoke a promise that has also gone out of reach for so many. That is it for this episode of Retelling the Bible. Please subscribe so that you can get the next episode in a couple of weeks. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with someone else who would appreciate it. The theme music for the podcast is Ada. 
and the mood music for this episode is When the Wind Blows. The music is by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under the Creative Commons, and can be found at incompetech.com. There was also a brief sound clip from the 1971 Fiddler on the Roof movie. You can contact me on Twitter at Retelling Bible, on the Facebook page Retelling the Bible. Show notes for this episode have been posted at retellingthebible.wordpress.com. This is Retelling the Bible, and I have been your storyteller, W. Scott McCandless.